Welcome to the first episode of Duked Up to Die. <laughs> Might not stick with that title, but we'll see. Uh, this is a podcast about me and and my fucked up decisions in life. and I don't know. It, it This all started because uh, this is the last... I'm 37 right now. Uh, so this will be the last year that my real father was alive. Uh, he died in a car wreck. He was apparently I don't I never knew him but bit of a drinker. His his nickname was Cooter, which is engraved on his uh gravestone. So if that tells you anything about him. Uh uh he left when he found out my mom was pregnant. He never wanted to have children and when she got pregnant he bolted. Uh and uh so she remarried a couple of years later. Uh, and that dude adopted me, and so that was my adopted father. So I never knew that there that uh, I had another dad. And uh, so, like this one day, I'm about nine years old. We're sitting out on the porch, and the phone rings. Mom goes answer it, and she comes back out and says, uh, uh, "Mitch, I gotta tell you something. Your father's dead." And I said, "No, he's not. He's sitting right there." He said, "No, um, your real father." And then proceeds to explain to me. This is not your dad, the man you thought was your dad all these years, and your last name is not your last name, and uh, this other guy is your real dad, and you remember how you have three grandmothers, and that's kind of weird, so now it all starts making sense, you know, and we have to get ready for the funeral, it's in like three days. So anyway, go to this funeral, and, and one of my grandmothers is there, uh, who which was his mother, and all these cousins and stuff, all these people, and then like saying how much I looked like him when I was a kid, and all this kind of stuff when he was a kid. Uh, it was just real strange for me. Uh, and nine is, uh, uh, you get a huge brain jump at that time, it was cognitive development. And uh, I started fixating on that, and, and this whole like just shatters your reality, you know. Uh, so. Um, Bill uh, was his name, and he died a wealthy man. I don't know how wealthy, but uh, my mom decided that she was going to, because I would never had any rights, you know, he never had rights. He signed them away when I was adopted or whatever. I don't, I don't really know the whole backstory. But anyway, so uh, he never paid child support or anything like that. And she decided since I was a living heir that he wanted to sue her new husband, his new wife, I mean, and everything. And so I had to go to court for all these day, all these years, and like two or three years, with depositions and stuff like that, where they're like, did your mother ever uh, drive you by his house and tell him about things he had and if he was wealthy and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's just weird for a kid. And then at that time, my grades started slipping real bad. I started getting in a lot of trouble at school. Um... Uh, I had to spend the whole year that year eating lunch by myself, forgetting because I was getting in so much trouble. It was, that was part of my punishment, uh, and I still like to eat by myself to this day. Anyway, and uh, so uh, I do have some vague memories, like uh, one Christmas uh, of going to Alabama is where they're from, uh, going over there to that grandmother's and. Uh, him helping put some batteries in a toy car or something like that. It was, it's real vague. 
Uh, and then one time when I got a soccer ball and he kind of tried to explain who he was to me, but I never really understood it. Um, uh, anyway, so after all the court and everything, it come down. Oh yeah, at that same time, uh, so those father figures were shattered and I lived in a started out as a single wide trailer ended up being like a 2500 square foot house but we'll explain how we get there later um lived in this single wide trailer on the same land that my grandfather's house was on and so i spent a lot of time there with my grandmother and i caught the school bus there you know she cooked breakfast for me and my mom she worked at a furniture plant uh, i think my dad worked there too uh, dirk which would be my adoptive father anyway so uh I was hanging out there and uh, my grandfather retired and he was a farmer as well as working at a chemical plant and uh, maybe not even six months after he retired he's diagnosed with some rare uh, blood cancer or something uh, which I believe he probably got from there but I am not pointing any fingers uh, but anyway uh, he was really sick with cancer and we were all sitting at grandmother's eating supper and like a TV trays and stuff. When she said she had this old floral couch and this big thing, and he was on a walker at that time because he was going through chemo and stuff. And he gets up to walk through the room, and I don't know. I guess it's just the self-centeredness of a child or something. Uh, I moved my TV tray out at the exact moment he was coming through and tripped him, and he fell and cracked on his chin, man. And like this was especially at the time when my father figures were starting to fall apart. Uh, this is somebody I'd really attach myself to. Uh, and here I was putting him you know, to go for the hospital for it and everything, and he died not too long after. Uh, and so that always really messed me up. But those early death experiences, I think, have helped, helped me in life as well uh, because I could deal with loss and things like that a little bit tougher than, than your average human and uh also uh and the negative aspect is it's made me become detached because i started backing away early on uh once all these major figures in your life start especially male figures and that's why i have a real problem with men too uh, later on in life uh anyway so uh my grandfather and my real father i find out dies and then we start going to court and all these things uh at the same time that you're a uh, boy that I was really good friends with. Okay, we got separated. You know, they have two separate classes. And me and him were getting in so much trouble that his mother chose to put him in the other class. And so there's another, you know, like, and me and him played baseball together and everything. And that was kind of my, uh, uh, kind of basis for my world. My first word was baseball. So I'd kind of uh, used that as a surrogate. Uh, like coaches and things like that is when I first started, you know, building up, you know, like my dad, uh, my adopted dad, he never came to any of my games or anything like that. It always bugged me. He never came to see me in prison either, some bitch. So, uh, uh, so they moved him to the other class, and then another friend who's still a lifelong friend, uh, uh, he moved away. His dad was not. Uh, National Guard and they changed his station and so he moved away for a while uh, he did come back later on in life so that was all like just a lot of people leaving my life and that's really where my abandonment issues and things start developing they don't really affect me until later on in my teens but that's kind of where it starts 
Um, we started going to court and things like that, and uh, the settlement came down, and it ended up being uh, $1.5 million uh, plus uh, $900 Social Security check for the next, till I turned 18. If I decided to go to college, I would have got it later uh, on through there, uh, which I didn't at first. Anyway, um, and I only saw one of those checks. Uh, like I said earlier, we did live in a single wide trailer and ended up being turned into a, uh, like they doubled, the, they just added on to the trailer instead of building a new house, they added on to the trailer uh, and uh, doubled the size and huge living room and everything and then they massively doubled my bedroom, added on to the end of it, Not the, so I thought I was hot stuff then. Uh, and that's when I start like getting real fixated on material things and uh, collecting things, uh, which is a problem I've had my whole life. Like, uh, just really throw myself into something, get obsessed with it, and like, gotta have ten of the same T-shirt to wear every day, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, I've done it with everything, with the Misfits, and Danzig, and uh, Batman, and just comic books in general, and just get really obsessive over things. Uh, even this podcast is kind of how this got going. I've, uh, this is just something I spend all my time listening to them, and I felt like if I had something to say, and I thought I'd want to put it out there in the world. And if anything, my kids, it's real fair because Bill died at this age. I'm 37, so I've had this kind of looming thing over me where like this might be my last year, uh, which I'm sure it won't be, but... It's just the motivation to get me started and uh, like I've been going on wilderness hikes and doing all these things and just uh, spending a lot of time trying to absorb as much as I can and now when I'm like I feel like I've been pulling it in and now it's got to come out of me you know uh, so anyway uh, after that I get uh braces and glasses and all this kind of stuff because now we have money and mom's not working at a furniture plant anymore she starts going back to college and uh dark he goes to, he gets accepted into uh basic training to become a game warden uh he's got polio he had polio when he was a kid so like he has to wear two different size shoes one like a, a size 12 and one's like a size nine uh, a, i always thought it was pretty funny uh but anyway, he got in and did it and, and everything. And, and then he moves away to Lake Monroe. Or I might take that out. To a lake. It's uh, stationed there. And you have to live on the property. So he gets a trailer. Uh, and I remember during this time I have to sign all these checks. So like the settlement. You have to have two guardian signatures plus, uh, plus the child, I guess whoever it's in it wasn't supposed to be touched until i was 21 there's also like 40 acres of pine forest and uh, a couple of businesses and things like that and like i see i'm fixating on it and it, it's it's obviously something that i hadn't let go yet and that's that's part of why i don't want to do this too is these all these resentments and things i've never been great at getting the words out and and talking to people due to my back you know i just really isolated a lot uh, and so I feel like this is a way I can get it out there. And if if, if anybody hears it who needed to hear it, uh, if you're listening now, and here's why I am the way I am and why I did the things I do. Uh, anyway, 
Um, so now that we have money and everything, I uh, get my teeth fixed and and uh, get uh, uh, glasses and start looking nerdy uh, pretty soon. And uh, this real traumatic thing happens to me when I'm 13. Uh, we're hanging out. Uh, see, I was on the baseball team with all these one boys. Remember I told you my friend got moved back in the third grade. Um, but by seventh grade, they had all established their own little thing. And I was starting to lose interest in baseball and things like that. Uh, I had kind of shifted uh, toward comic books and stuff like that. I met a boy who was, uh, his father was in Vietnam. and He was uh, exposed to Agent Orange. And he had these birth defects and things like that. And had to go through all these surgeries. But he was a really good friend of mine. And when I first started collecting comic books, uh, because uh, when my father and my grandfather and everybody died, that was the year that Batman came out, uh, 89, Michael Keaton's Batman. And I really uh, uh, attached myself to that character um, because he was an orphan. and I wasn't quite an orphan, but I felt orphaned. And, uh, so uh, I've always, through my whole life, used in times of struggle, kind of used Batman as that kind of um, linchpin for a father figure that doesn't exist. Uh, I, even though many have, have tried, I've, I'm, I'm tough to be a son. I'm not good at it. Uh, anyway, uh, so I'm in the seventh grade, and we're all in study hall one day, and uh, the guys are talking about, you know, kissing girls and stuff like that. Have you ever kissed one? This kind of thing, and. Uh, I tell this story because I want to fit in because uh, I felt myself slipping away from the group. They weren't really, um, they were pushing me away as well as me losing interest. And uh, so I tell this story about uh, when I was a little kid, like young, like six years old, about just basic uh, playing doctor stuff like that, kissing a girl in, in a closet and that kind of thing. Uh, and I go to this, I'm from this really small town where, uh, uh, I mean, there are only 300 people in my entire school. There were 36 people in my graduating class. Uh, the whole town was wiped away by a tornado one year. <laughs> it was nuts. Uh, anyway, and the high school football coach was a pedophile. Uh, well, I'll get there. Uh, it's fucking nuts, dude. What a weird place. Uh, but I love it. Um, so, um... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. I tell the story about the kissing the girl and whatever. Uh, and the girl still goes to school. She's just a grade ahead of me. Well, the, at break, you know, we're out at recess. And, and in our school, everybody's there. So it's like seventh grade all the way up to seniors are out there at the same time. So uh, they all get together. And, like, her boyfriend is even older and and I was in the band at the time and he's in the uh, same section as me and all this kind of stuff and I I mean we were semi friends Uh, and so they go over there and basically just ask her right out front and she of course denies it and uh, he's like what the fuck he took it no problem but uh, they just all start berating me with it man and just picking at you and that's kind of what happens at that age 13 or so that they start looking for the weaker links and and that kind of not to say that I'm weak or anything but I did have more of connection emotionally like I remember 
constantly having to uh, choke back tears and stuff like that. Uh, you know, like if you were getting lectured and things like that, or uh, just dudes picking on you. I just always seemed felt like I was weaker than them. Uh, I don't know. I've uh, proven to not be, but at the time I did. Um, so I just I start bawling in front of the entire school. They're just crying in front of everybody. I can't take it. And then I got to go to math class and with the pedophile football coach. Uh, <laughs> and all these guys are still fucking with me the whole time, you know. And I'm just laying there with my head down crying. And one day the guy that sat behind me, uh, did was like, it's going to be okay, man. I've been through something like this with them too. Uh, so after that, I quit playing baseball and pretty much backed out of basketball. I was on the basketball team. Not very good. I mean, semi-decent. My grandmother, she was great at it, uh, but I was not that great. Anyway, um, so uh, my adopted dad becomes game warden, and he's living over at the trailer all the time. Like, on, you have to maintain residence on the property, so he's hardly ever around. And my mom's going to college, and she's hardly ever around. And uh, basically, me and my sister are left at home by ourselves to fend for ourselves, you know. Like, uh, and I, I can remember signing all these checks and shit, and. Uh, it's just fucked up, but you know I, that's all forgiven. No, n- nothing. You know that's life. I understand that they wanted to better their lives, and if something like that fell into my lap, I would probably, you know, do the same thing. Uh, but anyway, he's gone all the time, and I start uh, stretching my mom muscles basically because mom is distracted with her uh, studying and things like that, and you know. Uh, Grandma's husband's gone, so she's not really f- too focused on us, and she's helping out. We, you know, my f- my family runs a catfish restaurant, or they used to, and uh, so Grandma was like the prep lady over there. So she's over there all day working with her sister, you know, and getting everything ready. Uh, so so we're basically alone and uh, left to our own devices, and and with uh, I started getting these migraines really bad around 12 13 uh and they uh started giving me painkillers for it and then this that's my first real like thing i remember uh my mom gave me them one time after i had a headache and i felt so good afterwards uh i snuck in there and took like three or four more and i saw fucking freddy krueger and shit like it, it was fucked up it's i think they're probably like my lord tab or something like that uh but, uh, man, and all of it, Freddy used to always come in my dreams, too, man. This one time I was having this dream, and, uh, Freddy's in there, uh, and, um, it's like, it's kind of like the scene in Highlander where the castle's crumbling and everything around there, and, and the Kurgan kills, uh, Sean Connery, <clears throat> and so, like, I'm, I'm going up this spiral staircase, and Freddy's, like, he's been stalking me the whole dream, and you get to the top, and a huge lightning bolt comes, and the the thing falls apart and Freddy fucking comes up behind me I turn to fight him and he knocks my sword out of my hand and he fucking dude right up under the rib like where your diaphragm is and lifts me up by the rib cage and I would feel it in my like it would wake me up you know you'd actually feel the pain but he like held me up there for a minute before I woke up that was fucking brutal I got his ass one time though I'll tell you that one later uh, so um 
stepdad or adopted dad is, you know, I'm pulling all that, you're not my dad, and all that stuff, and start growing my hair long. And uh, once the thing happened on the, uh, with the guys on, at recess and everything, I started hanging, there's another section where these old trees and stuff are by the fence. Uh, that's kind of the old smoking benches from back in the, the 50s and stuff. Uh, and that's where the, uh, I don't know, the others, the other kids hang out. And I started, like, first hanging out there by myself. I'd eat my lunch by myself, sad and everything out there. Uh, and eventually, people started coming around. And my buddy, J.R., uh, might take the name of He came around uh, talking about comics. And he had a cousin who was a friend. And we just he had a friend. And we just kind of formed a group. They were all in the Boy Scouts. And I joined up with them. And then uh, my friend from second grade, uh, came back who had moved away you know his dad was in the army and everything he he came back so we kind of formed a group but uh my mom was really on me about that's what my mom was always on me about um like they were a bad crowd i don't know what she had against them you know like they were the first guys to expose me to like Cheech and chong and richard pryor and all that kind of stuff and uh eddie murphy's raw and delirious which you know to watch these days are pretty rough but uh still hilarious but some of the <laughs> some of the stuff can be rough uh anyway we used to play like bb dag where we would get out there at nighttime with flashlights and play hide and go seek and then everybody had a bb gun and you had to that's how you got caught you know like you tag your it uh so we were a bit loony uh maybe it's probably good you didn't want me hanging out but actually they all turned out all right and i turned out well in the end turned out all right but it was a long road uh so during this time uh my adopted dad gets this like basically a secret divorce and i can't remember how long they kept it from us but it was for a while uh and so there's other stuff like that man where your where your parents are telling you these huge lies uh, and i'm sure they thought at the time that it would they were cushioning from something or whatever, but I do the same thing with my kids. Uh, not, you know, not on that scale, but I get it. I understand the logic behind it. Uh, but anyway, at the time, you know, that's just fuel for the fire, especially, you know, like, because Bill was a huge alcoholic, and so there's this, I mean, it's obvious, and it runs through my family incredibly. Like, my grandfather was the good one out of his brothers, uh, three of them, you know, or two, I think, the other two, there's only three of them, and maybe a sister, anyway, uh, drank themselves to death, but he paid for their funerals, and had them buried, and everything, um, but anyway, I'll probably say anyway a lot, and, and if you have a problem with that, write that in the comments, and I'll try to get better about that, it's just, you know, this is the first episode, so, let's, let's see how it goes, I think I've said that a bunch, too, <laughs> anyway, he had the secret divorce uh, without telling me, and uh, me and Valerie, I don't know if I want to say her name, uh, and so I was about 15 or so, and we had this old ag shop out by the band hall, uh, the band hall I think used to be the ag shop at the time, uh, back then, it's not anymore because it got blown away by that tornado, but uh, 
He said, uh, you had a study hall out there. And so I would slip off to the egg shop and, like, dick around and make knives and stuff like that. Because you could do that back in the 90s. Uh, well, they had a, a spray can out there. And we used to say this word, rave. I was a trombone. And in the trombone section, rave was like, you know, it just basically meant, like, a chaos or whatever. Uh, and so, like, in huge three-foot letters, I took in red spray paint right when you walk in the egg shop. I spray painted rave. And on the A, I put an anarchy symbol. Well, they fucking freaked, dude. Like, the next day, yeah, I got some other guy who gave me this prick can, ratted me out. Uh, and the coach, who was the, the vice principal, comes and pulls me out of class. And he's like, you know, what do you know about this uh, spray paint? Uh, 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 I don't know what he's talking about. And he said, well, they, you know, so-and-so ratted you out. And we know it was you. What's with that symbol? Is that some kind of Satanism and stuff? And, uh, you know, I'm from Mississippi. I don't know. Mississippi. I have a bad lisp, too. Uh, it's because my tongue. I got this huge, like, lizard tongue, Gene Simmons style. Uh, maybe there'll be some pictures up on the website. And it gets in the way, man. It sucks, dude. My mouth is small, too. When they, uh, when I had my braces and everything, they had to pull, like, eight teeth out of my mouth because my jaw is, is tiny. Anyway. <laughs> so, if... If, if my slurring and stuff is a problem, I'll try to work on it. I don't think they have tongue reduction surgery. Um, so after the graffiti, you know, they they know it's me. And they give me 10 days ISS. And when I'm in there, I have to write 500 lines. I will obey class rules at Smithville High School. And I wrote that probably a million times throughout my high school career. But this is my first thing. They give me 10 days. And in the... Uh, on the second day, I don't know, I just panicked and like the, I don't know, just because you just sit there by yourself all day and have to write the lines and then do your work. And I said, I'm never going to get done with these lines and fuck this. And so I just left, man. I, I said I was going to the bathroom and let's go. Walked home. It wasn't far, you know. Back then, everybody walked around. You know, you had basic room in the town back then. Uh, so I get home and... And it's really like eating me up because this is the first time I've, you know, I've been in a lot of trouble. I mean, like in third grade, I got a paddling every day, every fucking day. No shit. <laughs> that principal was also having an affair with the second grade teacher who was also the wife of the pedophile football coach. Uh, and I wonder if she suspected something. On, on the day their youngest kid graduated high school, they all, her and the principal, the elementary principal, just disappeared and moved to another state. <laughs> uh, but that other stuff wouldn't come out for way later uh, <clears throat> so I'm freaking out about it man and it's just ate me up my mom had like a fifth of tequila and there's rarely ever booze in the house uh, adopted dad was a drinker and uh, I think my grandfather called him uh, growing weed on the property one time and <laughs> but uh, I got no problem with that um Sorry, these dogs are barking in the background. It's really messing me up. I live in the suburbs, and it's, it's a problem. Anyway. Uh, so I grab the fifth tequila, man, and take the first drink, and something, I mean, it just changes in me. I don't know what it is. And I drank the entire fifth. No shit. No, no bullshit. I got sick as a fucking dog, though. But I was really drunk, and I felt really good about it for a little while. I puked all my guts up, man. I just passed out, like, puking in a can. Luckily, I woke up in time, cleaned everything up. 
I just poured, there's a little bit of tequila in the bottom, and I just poured water in the whole thing. Uh, anyway, uh, I was 15, and, and that's when I took my first drink. Uh, uh, we'll go more in depth later on, uh, but I just kind of wanted to talk about that. Uh, and I also, uh, since the name of the podcast is Too Tough to Die, uh, I'll uh, tell you a story about the time I was too tough to die. Uh, <clears throat> so I was about six, uh, and this old huffy. And the uh, kickstand was was beat up. It didn't come with a kickstand, and so my grandfather had gotten one off of another bike, and put it on there, but it was it was rusted up. Uh, and so he had WD forty the shit out of it, like to where it wouldn't hardly stay up anymore because it was so lubed. Uh, and uh, there's this tree that had fallen, and they had uh, the wood and everything was gone, but the stump was still there. But and they hadn't had it ground up, so he just had dirt put on it. And so it created like this little hill that me and uh, the next door neighbor friend, we could jump our bikes on, you know, and get some air and everything. It was pretty cool. We had been jumping this hill forever. Well, this day I get a big run and go, man, and I take off. And the, the hill has been worn down so much that some of the stump is showing. So I pull up on my front tire a little too early and didn't really hit the hill and jump. Back tire hits the stump. And I don't know, it was just the way I had done it just flips me forward i just fell straight on the ground you know like face first but the bike launches up in the air well and the kickstand falls down because all that wd-40 and the, it comes down with all its weight man on the back of my head dude i still got a scar on but it doesn't penetrate my skull it just goes through the skin hits the skull and then comes back out so it's kind of like you know how when you were a kid you would like thread a needle through your little skin right there on your finger that kind of thing like that but in your skull <laughs> and and my buddy's freaking he doesn't know what to do and the principal he lived a couple of houses down from my grandmother his daughter's out there walking she hears me screaming and comes running and it's like wonder woman like she had long uh brown hair you know that's you know wonder woman reruns would come on after uh batman back then and she is just i saw the thing in slow motion i had you know i could turn my head up just enough with the bike sticking out the back of it to see her come running down the road and she was just like her hair was flying back you know she came running over she grabbed the bike and she threw it like in my head 30 feet and it smashed against the wall and like the only thing i was thinking i was like oh man my bike <laughs> But she rushes me inside, you know, and paper towel and blood's everywhere because it's a head wound, man, you know. Uh, but I only ended up having to get two stitches for it. Uh, uh, but that was a time <laughs> I was too tough to die. So I hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, you can uh, visit my Patreon uh, if you, if you want to uh, donate or whatever. It's uh, just a dollar. I hope whatever, man, anything you can do. Uh, it's felonious Mitch. Uh, that's kind of the name I'm wanting to use, at least for all this stuff. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to pan out or whatever. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at felonious underscore Mitch. Uh, email me at feloniousmitch at gmail.com. Uh, and everybody had a great day. I don't know. I don't really know how to end this thing. Later.